Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome to Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. I have so much to talk about today, but none of it's really real estate related, so I'm going to hold back and we're going to focus today because we have a lot to cover. Um, and we'll just save those things for another day. I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Mr. Chip Gaines. You might be familiar with Mr. Chip Gaines of Chip and Joanna fame. I'm told it's his birthday today. Um, so someone looked that up and told me that. So we would sing him happy birthday. But as some of my guests today know, the birthday song is annoying as hell to me because people sing it really slow. Really? Yeah. Um, Brittany, I don't know if you were ever in one of our guests is Brittany. I'll introduce her in a second. Hang on. Let me finish my story first. Uh, we used to be in a, a networking group and they would want to sing happy birthday. And it was always like, happy birthday. It was like the slowest thing ever. And I thought I'm going to go insane. Like, cause we all know where it's going. You know what I'm so let's no just get, there. let's just get through it. And so, uh, yeah, whenever I got to lead the birthday song, it was like super fast. Like, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Done. Cannot stand it. So I'm not going to sing Chip Gaines' happy birthday, but I will say happy birthday to Chip Gaines. Uh, and I'm joined today by two guests. Karen, unfortunately, isn't continuing Ed, um, and we wish her well because that's not the most exciting thing in the world. Uh, so she can't be with us today. So we are allowing Rachel potentially some mic time. I'll be good. I don't believe you at all. <laughs> I promise. Um, so, and that's actually who told me. Uh, you had a really sweet story that you were in Target and you saw some guys checking out. Yes, I saw a very um, uh, bushy, you know, like a like a like a pl- like a like a flannel shirt. Lumberjack, probably aspiring to be much like Chip. Hipster? No, he was older. Older. There's a there's a there's a line. Like age. old, like me? No, like he had <laughs> like three children with him. Well, but how? I don't know, Dad. Come on, details. Maybe in his mid forties. She almost cur- cursed yeah. there. Yeah. Maybe in his mid forties. time talking about cursing. Shirt, little beard, and mm-hmm. he was hunched down, pouring over the magnolia. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Chip and the, Joanna. Yeah. The Chip and Joanna section that is now in our Target here in Bloomington, which is beautiful. I will say they okay. have a lot of really nice things. And pe- you should have seen people. It was, it, they were sort of like wide-eyed, it's like wandering. We can't through. go to Waco, so we can go to Target. Exactly, exactly. And he was picking up little, these little bells and like ringing them and just saying how they just really did such a good job with this stuff, kids. I think I'm going to get this for your mom for Christmas. Oh, my goodness. And was so, you could just tell. He drank totally the Kool-Aid. Oh, there yeah. is going to be like yeah. Helter Skelter when their show goes off the air. I know. I don't know what people are going to do with themselves. Well, I I did see a headline over the weekend that they went to Italy after the last okay, recording. To celebrate, yeah. And they slept for 14 hours. Aww. So, yeah, they were probably snuggled. It was probably a perfect spoon and I'm all sure. that good stuff, I'm right? sure. All right. <laughs> Let me introduce our other guest, which is Brittany Lover. She has been a guest before, and she is, um, I think her title is Queen of the Greene County Regional Title Company. I like to say closing god. That's closing goddess. Okay. Goddess. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Greene County Regional Title, which serves Monroe County, Greene County, pretty much all of South Central 
Indiana. Indiana. You're in the process of opening an office, or have you opened in Jasper? We have opened an office in Jasper. She started full-time last week. Awesome. What mm-hmm. county is that? I don't even know. Jasper, Jasper is Spencer Dubois, or Dubois, Dubois County. Dubois County. Dubois, not Dubois. Yeah. Yes, Dubois, not Dubois. Um, so we are going to, I'm very excited about today's show, but we're also kind of winging it, so um, it could be really boring. I'm just going to say that up front. I have jokes. Oh, oh sweet. Jokes. This is going to yeah. be awesome. Then we have, have to ton- make this fun. Then okay. we have tons to cover, and so we are going to get started. Um, so many of our clients come to us right before closing. We're somewhere in the process of you know, purchasing or selling a home, and they want to know exactly what's going to happen at closing. Uh, and I think sometimes we're pretty flip with our answers, and we say things like, oh, you're just going to sign a bunch of papers. And, you know, if you want the house, you have to sign, so don't worry too much about it. Um, you can't change anything, you know, on the paperwork once we get to closing. I remember distinctly when I bought my first house way before I was in real estate and I was specifically told don't read these in a very stern voice. Wow. Now, I've never seen a title company around here do this, although we do try to kind of feel out our clients and if one of my clients is like an engineer, God mm-hmm. bless them, or an attorney or something <laughs> like that, you know, I say, do you want to read everything? Because we're going to get you the documents ahead of time to read through. Because otherwise, we'll sit there and um, stare at you for four hours while you try to read everything. Right. And we'll be bored, so we'll have conversations. So then you can't concentrate on what you're reading. It's a whole big thing. So in the meantime, um, because of that request, and people always saying, what exactly happens at closing? Uh, I've always had this dream of doing a commentary broadcast during a closing. Like, this is my vision. It'd be like a play-by-play, but kind of like golf, you know, because we talk in hushed voices. Mm-hmm. And so we'd be like, and now the buyer is signing another copy of their loan application. Why are they signing the loan application again? Didn't they sign at the time of application? And then we'd be like... Uh, look at them double checking their social security number like a pro way to go oh no what's that it looks like their hand is getting clenched up do you think that's signing cramps the buyer's backing off they're clenching and unclenching their hands over and over again oh it looks like they're back in the game right I, I thought that was, would be a great idea yes, yes. there's some privacy concerns so I don't think we're really able to do that so what we're going to do today is a kind of a simulation so I'm going to play the buyer and Rachel's going to play the seller and Brittany's going to play the closer and we're going to kind of go through sort of what happens um, we're not going to read over all the documents because then you'd really want to you know do yourself in but I also want to preface this by saying that this simulation that we're doing is based on how it's done here in South Central Indiana and based on how it's done with Brittany at Green County Regional Title. Every closer kind of has their own little pattern, do the papers in their own little order, um, and different uh, markets or regions are done differently. In fact, Brittany's company, you also um, do closings in Kentucky. Yes. And it's different. Completely different. You can bring cash to closing in Kentucky, and okay. here you cannot do that. So legal. what we're doing, and that was one of the things I was going to point out too. So what we're doing here today is based on the rules and the customs in our area. Now, whether you're a, a listener in Poland, which are very popular, uh, or in Illinois, it's going to be different, but it's similar enough that you should listen and kind of get a general gist of what's going on. Okay, so here are the players in today's closing. There is the title person, which is a neutral third party. Some of you may have heard my analogy before. We're like going into a hostage situation, a hostage exchange, right? So the house is the hostage, and then we've got the money, which is the ransom. And what do you do? Do you give the money first, or do you give the keys to the house first, or how do you do it at the same time? And so you bring in this neutral third party who looks at the agreement, Everything goes to the neutral third party, and then they disperse everything. So that is uh, just a small portion of what title companies do, and you can listen to our other two episodes that we did with Brittany to learn about the other things, title work and all that good stuff. Also at the closing table, you're going to have the buyer, and you're going to have the seller, 
and you will have any realtors involved in the transaction uh, in our market. It is part of our license law that someone from our brokerage is required to be at the closing um, just to make sure that all the terms of the contract are fulfilled all the way up to the very end. And then sometimes the lender is there. They, I, 50-50, I don't know, Brittany Hoff. I'd say 7 out of 10 now that since okay. the law's changed, they've been there a lot more. Lately. Yeah, lenders are there a lot more. So they're there just to kind of answer any questions. Um, so before you show up for signing, a couple of things that just kind of set the stage. Um, the buyer has already sent over their funds. So any down payment money in Indiana needs to either be wired or a cashier's check, depending on the amount. And for the seller's world, because you'll hear this kind of coming down the road towards the end, um, that their mortgage payoff has already been ordered. That's something that the title company mm-hmm. takes care of as well. And then this uh, sim- uh, simulation today is taking into account that the title company has already done the title work and that the property's uh, free and clear because that's done prior to closing too. Okay. All right, so let's set the stage. A closing room is typically your basic conference room with a long table and chairs on either side. And the closer will usually sit at the head of the table like they're in charge of carving the turkey. Are you mm-hmm. good at that, Brittany? I've never carved never a turkey. Never carved a turkey. Lead a closing. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the sellers will sit on one side nearest the closer, and the buyers will sit on the other side so that the closer can just pass them paperwork. Uh, and the rest of the supporting cast of characters, the realtors and the lenders, we tend to cluster around the other end of the table and try to entertain ourselves because um, sometimes you sit through this 80 or 100 times a year. Now, Brittany, you sit through it a lot more, but you're doing something. Yeah. We don't sit there. <laughs> we're not really that active. So we sit there and, yeah, try to be quiet and not – sometimes we're just – some. I had a closing earlier this year, and the I don't remember if it was the buyer or the seller, wanted to read every word of everything, and she like had to ask us to hush. Like, because everybody else was just chit-chatting. Brownie. Yeah, she's like, I cannot concentrate. We're like, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, there are some instances where buyers and the sellers are in separate rooms, and sometimes it's because the sellers have already left town, so they're not even there. Like, maybe they came in the day before or something, or a week before and signed, or signed via email. Um Sometimes people are in separate rooms because it's a contentious sale. Those are always fun, super awkward. Um, And it's just better that way. I always want it to be a comfortable experience for my clients. So if I feel like a closing separate, uh, separate closing rooms is better, I'll definitely request that. Um, But this is also the time that the buyers and sellers tend to talk about garbage day and who the best neighbors are and that kind of thing. Yeah. um, Because at some point in the transaction, the title company will need to get up and leave to make copies. And that's a good opportunity to talk about things today. Today we are closing an FHA loan um, and every lender has slightly different documents and every type of loan has slightly different documents. Uh, so we're just kind of doing a representative loan today. Most most of the documents are, are loan documents. So if you're doing a cash purchase, keep that in mind. It's going to be very, very different than uh, it'll be um, very short. Surprisingly few things to sign. I think, what, five signatures maybe tops? Five from one side, seven on the other. Okay. Um, if you're the seller, again, and a lot of times my first-time sellers kind of get to closing and they're taken aback. They're like, well, I don't have anything to do because there's not much to sell on the sign on the seller side either, again, because most of the documents in closing are loan documents. So, Brady, what's the first thing that you do when we walk into the closing room? Very first thing, I make sure everybody's seated properly, copy your IDs. I have to make sure you are who you said you were. Okay, so you're going to take out their driver's license and make copies of those? Yes, and make hand sure those they're back. valid. Okay. And then we start the closing. Okay. And I start with settlement statements, which okay. is an itemization of all the debits and credits for everything in the transaction. 
So you know your bottom line. We go over that first. And these are things, the settlement statements, which have multiple names. They used to be called the HUDs. Mm-hmm. Um, Altas. Altas, CDs, or that's well, the next one. CD is separate, but they are, they are the same. Okay. They have the same fees, the same figures, the same bottom lines. Okay. Um, the CD just also has contact information, information about your escrow payments, if you have an escrow account assumption and things like that. They just It just has more information. Okay. But you've seen that three days before closing, so that should be nothing new. It goes over okay. all your long terms. And are you just going over the buyer's side right now, or are you going over the seller's side too? We do start with just the buyer first, go through all their paperwork, then I go over the sellers, and then get them together at the end so they can talk about their utilities and okay. stuff like that. So a lot of times, too, we'll tell the sellers to come like 20 minutes late because the buyers can mm-hmm. kind of get a head start on signing things. So these settlement statements and closing disclosures are documents that shouldn't have any surprises to me. Um, I've right. already signed, pre-signed a copy about three days before closing. Yes. My lender probably already gone over all of these numbers with me yes so this none is, of this should be a surprise so closing should that's a lot different than it used to be oh, before the recession man. everything was a surprise and i will tell you it. one of my first closings ever probably one in my first five closings the poor lady shows up at the closing table and she's handed one of these you know settlement statements and it shows what her monthly payment is and she says that's like 200 dollars a month higher than what Mm-hmm. My loan officer, who was not there, told me, mm-hmm. and she felt completely on the spot, like, I can't afford that kind of payment. Oh, my gosh. And, but she felt like she had to sign because everyone was there. I kept saying, you don't have to sign, mm-hmm. you know, but, and she did, and then a few years later, she lost the house. Well, that's mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and that is why mortgage reform. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our first break, and then we will continue on with the buyer side of um, what happens at closing. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillocks, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we are back, and um, over break, I had to respond to a text real quick because just as this has nothing to do, except I have a listing right now for sale, and it's getting scammed on Craigslist. The people, some the scammers stole the listing information, and they put it out as a really inexpensive for lease. And people are going by the house and seeing my name and saying, "Hey, can you show me the house?" Because the seller, the owner, is out of town, and he has the keys, and so he can't show it to me. But I'm trying to lease this house, and yeah. So, anyways, I had to respond to someone and be like. Mm. So if you are looking for a place on Craigslist and the owner is out of town, run the other way, period. Okay, back to closing. We are on the buyer side of closing documents. Brittany Libert, Green County Regional Title, is helping us out as we go through um, the documents. So we've gone through the settlement statement. The, the first two, which is your numbers, which is the really important information that you want to make sure is accurate, but you pretty much have already reviewed them, so you should be able to take a quick look and sign. And mm-hmm. what's next? Then we go on to a sales disclosure, which is really just here in Indiana. That's how you get a homestead exemption on the property, and it's how we transfer properties. So we actually do file that for you, um, and whenever we go through the paperwork, so the buyer would say, yes, they're going to live there, and we would sign the sales disclosure. We also file a mortgage exemption for them, which we would do next as well. So in Indiana, if you have these exemptions, they save you money on your property taxes, and we file those for them so they do not have to go to the courthouse. So those are county documents, mm-hmm. or probably state documents that were filed with the county that show the transfer and this is how like in our in Bloomington uh, Monroe County when a property transfers it actually shows up in the newspaper a lot of people don't like that Mm -hmm. Um, but um, that is because that document has been filed at the courthouse and it says how much they bought it for and then next we go over their note this is the most important thing out of all these documents this is your loan document the most important one it's your promise to pay back your loan it goes over your interest rate your terms your first payment when it's due and your grace period which a lot of people don't know that you have a grace period on your mortgage so it's usually 10 to 15 days depending on your kind of loan i didn't know that i had a grace period on my car until i started doing this oh really so you have until whatever day of the month to make your payment and then there's a late fee and all loans have it so i usually on that okay so let's back up a second you this is my note how is that different from my mortgage your mortgage every your mortgage is just a standard document that goes over um we say it says simply stated if you pay you stay and if you don't you won't Uh so it says you can't dump hazardous waste um you do own this property, but the mortgage is a lien against the property saying that you owe the bank money, basically. So the note is the promise to repay? Yes, to the bank. And the mortgage is what puts a lien on the yes. property. So, so I think that's something that's important because they're interchangeable terms. You know, mm-hmm. for us, mortgage, note, whatever, you know, it 
So I think sometimes when people get to the mortgage, they're like, well, wait a minute, what's this note? I already signed it. So the note is your agreement with the bank that says this is what I'm borrowing and these are the payment terms and, you know, this is what I agree to. Mm -hmm. The mortgage, which we're going to get to. So we'll talk about that more. But that's what the note is. So the note's more between you and your lender. Yes, that's the most important out of all these. That's what we say. After your note, we go over your first payment letter. So your total monthly payment when it's due. And again, if you have what your grace period is and your interest rate it goes over those kinds of things and if you have payment coupons I go over that and how you can make your payment until you get your welcome pack in the mail because it usually takes the bank a little bit of time to get everything processed and get their package out to you with payment information so let's back up again yeah, because now as you like talk, I'm like, oh, we should talk yeah. about this, right? Okay, so one of the things that everybody's going to get copies of everything that's in this loan package. You know, the buyer's going to get copies of everything, yes. um, and so you're just kind of going over all of that. Uh, and I had a client just over the weekend say well, they just closed on a property a couple weeks ago, and they said, well, none of the documents in my packet are signed. That doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter because they're mostly documents that the buyer signs by themselves, right? And I was trying to figure out how to explain it, and I was really struggling. It was early Saturday morning, like 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if you want them signed, just sign them. Right. <laughs> because there aren't two parties signing. Anything that two parties sign, something that the seller signs and the buyer also signs, you'll get copies of. Mm-hmm. But things that just the buyer signs, they're not. we're not going to waste everybody's time making all those extra copies and the title company likes to be prepared and give you all those copies ahead of time so you can take them back with you. So that first payment letter is one of those things that's going to be in your packet. Right. Uh, and that is important because, you know, usually the, the uh, your mortgage company, they're going to hunt you down and make sure you know where to make your first payment. Yeah, they will definitely let you know. But if you don't get that or you get confused, and I have had that happen once before. I was like, I never got it. Um, I go to my packet. There's a coupon in there that I can make my first payment. So you have no excuse. Right. to miss your first payment but you've got that packet um, and if anybody ever wants to know like and this is one of the things I said to my client over the weekend um, you don't really have to keep everything that's in that packet right when I buy a property you know I always go through it and it's like okay here are the things I know in my mind what I want to keep and what I'm going to use but they're going to get to some documents that, like an amortization schedule. Yeah. You don't really need to keep that. No, I usually pull out all the very important documents and put it on top before they leave so they have that right there on top and they yeah. know that that's the important stuff. There's yeah. about five of them. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the first payment coupon. So we go over that. And then next would be their mortgage. Okay. And what I say is this is a standard Indiana mortgage. It's what we file at the courthouse to show there is a lien against the property for the loan. Simply stated, it says if you pay, you stay, and if you don't, you won't, and it goes through all those processes. Also get you the mortgage exemption on the property that I'm going to file for you, and anybody with a mortgage in the state of Indiana has the same one, because it's 17 pages, and I don't, they only sign one. Yeah, okay, so the mortgage, 17 pages, it's a document that's written, do you know who wrote it? I just, I'm curious about, like, is it the state that wrote it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Freddie right? May and Freddie Mac at the bottom, Uniform Instrument. Huh, okay. In I, Indiana. That's a question I don't know the answer to, but all the mortgages in the state of Indiana are the exact same document. I assume that's, is that the same in Kentucky? Do you know? Um, I don't know about that. Okay. I, I, yeah, again, this is, we're doing things. We're just telling you how we do it here and 
good old South Central Indiana, <laughs> but all of the entire state of Indiana, this is what is used to record a mortgage. It's the same document. You cannot change anything. I've certainly had people sit there and go, well, I don't like this line. Yeah. Well, guess what? Then you're not going to buy the house because that's not going to change, period. This is just legal documents. So the information here, usually um, there's like a address, names and address, right? And you just kind of have them confirm that the names and address are correct on that document. Yeah. And then they sign? They sign, yeah. Do they have to initial, like, every single page? They used to. We used to have them initial the bottom of every single page, but for some reason we don't have to do that anymore. Okay, because that got really annoying, too. Yeah, yeah. When then you have multiple people and, and it's it takes like forever. papers around in a circle. Right. You don't do it every day. Right. Now, this is about the time where someone, the buyer, always says, I should have brought a stamp. And we always laugh. So what's funny is, and nobody gets this, this is like Brittany gets it, you know, and like Karen probably gets it because she sits at all these closings with us. We hear the same jokes at every single closing. And I make a challenge and try to come up with new New jokes? Yeah, to make that. Oh, I like that. Well, what's funny is like we hear the same jokes and we have to act like, our clients are the funniest people on the face of the earth and they're the first ones to come up with these jokes. So they're always like, we should have brought a stamp. Like, yeah, <laughs> should have, could have. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, you know, in real estate, we're doing a lot of, and loans, uh, we're doing a lot of electronic signing these days, um, you know, confirmed, verified electronic signing. But we are not there with closings. There is no way to do a stamp um, or an electronic signature. It has to be live in person. Um, and just as an aside, we're never going to get through this because I have 5,000 asides, but I think this is really interesting. If you are in a foreign country and you need to sell a property, have you ever run into this, Brittany? I have. No. If you're in a foreign country, uh, like say you've moved to Canada and you need to sell a property here, your signatures on documents, we can email you documents to sign, but they have to be notarized by, um, I guess, uh, American... United it, States uh, notary. Yeah, United States notary, which means you can cross the border, come back and get it notarized, which I had some clients once, it's like, you just need to drive back to the United States and cross the border. Okay. Or you have to go to um, the uh, like a consulate or an embassy. And they charge you like eighty dollars a. I know someone who just did that. So I think it was forty dollars a signature, forty dollars a notary, and there were like three notaries, so it cost them one hundred twenty dollars to do. Here legally, you can only charge like two dollars a document here. Apparently not in Canada. You know, those crazy Canadians. But um, this happens a lot. You know, we have a very international base here, and so if they've moved back wherever, you know, a lot of them going back to China and places like that uh, and need to sell a document or need to sell a property, it can get really tricky. Now you can certainly grant power of attorneys to help you do that, but you need to grant that power of attorney before Before you go go, because the power of attorney has to be notarized by an American uh, uh, United States notary. So you cannot show up to closing with the power of attorney. You have to do that beforehand. Yes. We need to review that and approve that. I've had somebody come go, can I just sign for them? Yeah. No, no, not at all. Nor can you sign up to closing with an expired driver's license as we no. uh, I've experienced that one too on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock. Uh, trying to drive across town to get to the, like you just got to get your foot in the door to the <laughs> driver's license bureau to get it renewed. But anyways, okay, next document for the buyer. So after that, at this point, they're all disclosures. They're all, I'd say 30% you've signed before closing um, and the rest are just to cover the lender's butt at this point. Um, so the next one is just says that the property didn't sell for less than the purchase price. 
And isn't that crazy? There's like 600 words on that page, and yes. that's basically what it says. And the and buyer, seller, and the agents, the real estate agents, sign that one. Oh, saying, look, I signed that one. Yeah, that um, it is. They did not sell it for less than it was worth, or more than it was worth. Right. Or less than it was worth. Yeah, less more than the appraised value. Yeah. Right. No more than the appraised value. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, did not appraise for, yeah. Yeah. I'm confusing myself. No, I know. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> after the, you know, the, the big important documents up front, just kind of as a little review before we go to another break here, um, is, you know, we've done the numbers. We've done the note, which is your agreement with a bank. We've done the mortgage, which is sort of the notification to the county to officially record that there's a mortgage on the property. And now it's a bunch of lender stuff that, mm-hmm. right, someday, somewhere, something went wrong and someone said, oh, we better create a document so that this doesn't happen again. Yes. All right, let's go to another break and then we'll come back and finish up with the buyer side of closing documents. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. Check us out on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow Realtor, where you can find um, this show kind of recapped and all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, I'm here today with Brittany Libert of Green County Regional Title, and she is taking us through a closing packet, so sort of a simulation of what you would be signing in terms of a closing. So we've gotten the big important documents out of the way in terms of the numbers and um, the mor- the note and the mortgage, and now we're going through just a stack of disclosures that the lender puts together to sort of cover their asses. Yes. So um, after this, I just give everybody the Cliff Notes version of these because they're boring and there's about (laughs) 60 of them and I can sum them up in one sentence. So the next one just says that you will occupy the property as your primary residence. So they're making sure you're not... That took two pages to say that. Yeah, so that's two pages, two legal pages. Two legal pages to say, I will live here because with an FHA loan, which is what we're doing, you Mm -hmm. have to um, swear, basically, that That you're going to live in there. Yes. And the next one is my favorite for FHA. The very first sentence says, you are legally obligated to make your monthly payments. So (laughs) somebody did not know that they had to pay their mortgage back and uh, tried to sue their lender, I'm assuming, and now there's a disclosure about that. Right. So you do have to pay it back. It's not a gift. And you need to know that and sign on that. Good information. And then the next seven pages for this 30-year FHA loan is an amortization schedule. So you get to see every payment that you make, the balance that's left on your mortgage, and how much interest you've paid on it. This is one of my favorite documents because I have my little joke that I make at every single closing. I think I'm hilarious every time I make it. So people look at this. Some uh, some closing companies, they go, don't look at that. Just sign it. Because what it is is seven pages that says payment number 63 will be due on August 1st of 2022. You will pay $315 towards your principal and you will pay $87 towards your whatever. I mean, it breaks down your payment. And this is how much you'll have left on the loan. And it's it's discouraging, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so people look at it and they go, and I always go, just hang that on your fridge and check it off every month. You'll feel like you're making progress. And I think that's really funny. And then they all kind of look at me like, what the hell? I'm like, okay. So, yeah, we should get a, a copy of a, like a page of an amortization schedule. I should take a, I'm going to Instagram it. I'm going to take a picture and then be able to put it up because I think that's that's the funniest one. It's like, this is the stupidest thing. Because here's the other thing to know about the amortization schedule. The second you make one penny extra payment, the all. whole thing is out the window. Well, that's good because if you pay extra, right. you're paying the principal. It's good to pay extra. Money. I encourage you to do that, but then it throws off your whole schedule. So, yeah. So the next disclosure just goes over. They did pull your credit, and that's two pages. <laughs> they pulled my credit. <laughs> they did. They did run your credit. There's some stuff that they make you sign that's like, well, but that already happened. Like, I had a closing last week, and the title company made them sign something that said that we can give your realtors copies of stuff. And I'm like, but I already have yeah. You gave me the copies a week ago. And, um... Somebody questioned that last week. They're like, but we already gave them the copies. Well, usually always, a lot of lenders have one that say they don't require a home inspection, but you are free to get one. Well, if you're at closing, it's a little late for that. Right? More CYA. You're welcome to get one if you wanted to. Yeah. So then next is your um, escrow account disclosure, which I know is different from state to state because escrow means different things in state different states. So this is basically a savings account that... 
part of your uh, payment goes to. It sits there until your property taxes are due and your homeowner's insurance, and they're going to pay that for you every year. And they don't get any interest off of it. They don't make any money. It's just to make sure that your taxes and insurance are paid. And so they have to tell you how they account for that um, at that account how they account for the account yes but yeah most most buyers out there i think know that you know they can have their lender basically collect one twelfth of your property tax bill and one twelfth of your insurance homeowners insurance bill and pay those when they come due so you don't get hit with a big bill every year so that's the accounting of that and then there is one that says they do again report to the credit bureau so you make a payment you don't make a payment they're going to report that the next two or the next one is a name affidavit, which just has your aliases and says you are the same person. Oh, this is one of my favorites. So my, mine has my middle name and no middle name and my middle initial on there. And I signed saying I was all three of those people. So different ways that your name has popped up on your credit. As we all know, my favorite, Dedora Toman. <laughs> I show up on my credit. <laughs> to sign and say I am one and the same as Dedora Toman. And Dedora. Okay. Next is a compliance agreement. So if there were any typos or clerical errors, you agree to work with us to fix those without changing any terms or conditions in your loan. I did have that happen once. We closed in 2016. Everything was dated for 2015, and none of us noticed. Whoops. So we had to go back and do it a month later. Whoops. But we kind of laughed because none of us noticed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next goes over that the house did not, um, what, what the house appraised for. They want to make sure you know what it appraised Yet for. Yet again. Um, yes, this one here, for your protection, get a home inspection. It says caution really big all around it. It and does. Make sure that you know the importance of a home inspection at closing. That's a good one we should put. That's a good image to put up on the, to Instagram on that, too. Yes. And then the next one, again, another information sheet goes over the importance of a home inspection. Mm. They, you, can, you can get one. You don't have to. And then it also goes over lead-based paint. So what is it? How do you know if you have lead-based poisoning or lead poisoning? And what can you do about it? So basically what you're telling me is that a lot of this stuff is kind of too little too late. Yes. But you got to sign it anyways. Yes. Well, that makes lots of sense. <laughs> uh, there's an informed choice disclosure. And it compares an FHA loan to a conventional loan with just standard numbers. These aren't the customer's numbers. Mm-hmm. They don't pretend So if you decide you want to maybe switch over to a conventional loan at the closing table. Yeah, you can see why you would want to do that. Right, or how you're making a big mistake by going FHA instead of conventional. Yeah, you can see all the fees that you're paying. Excellent. Yeah. Right, when it's too late to do anything about that. <laughs> Another disclosure. Feeling really good about this right now. <laughs> Another disclosure. Had to, I mean, they don't want the condition. It goes over interest rate and discount points. Don't commit loan fraud. That is bad. You are not discriminated against, and you can prepay at any time with no penalty. And you sign the next three disclosures. Say you can prepay at any time with no penalty because they really want you to know that if you won the lottery, you could pay your mortgage off with no penalty. And that's a big thing that I think happened at some point. There were mortgages out there that had prepayment penalties. Yeah. I've never seen one now. Um, I don't know that anybody really does them, but it's a buzzword that we've heard. So I get people all the time. They go, well, does this mortgage have a prepayment penalty? I'm like, that doesn't even, like, you know, 800 sale houses I've sold. I've never seen one of those. Like assumptions. Um, yeah. You never really see it. No. But it can. Right. Um, next one, you have the right to choose your own homeowner's insurance provider. So you are free to choose whoever you want for your homeowner's insurance. Even though you've already made that decision yep. and already gotten the homeowner's insurance in place. That's correct. Excellent. Um, the next one, you verify your social security number, your date of birth, and that authorizes your lender to verify that information with um, the social security administration. Okay. Uh, 4506T, so they can get copies of your tax return used for this transaction only, which they already have because... They needed that information to approve you for your loan, but if the file were to get audited, they need those again. 
that one always kind of threw me off because it's like, well, you know, like you said, wait a minute, we already, I gave you copies of all my tax returns. But what happens is sometimes they pull files to audit to make sure that all the information is accurate and the lender's not shady. And so they have to go and get the tax returns directly from the IRS to make sure that you couldn't, you didn't. Uh, doctor anything or the lender didn't doctor anything so that's what is allowing them to do just in case you get audited so that they don't come back after the fact and uh, have to hunt you down and then next it's five pages it is your w9 and that one you just verify your social security number everybody loves this one because this is so that you can get the statement that shows how much interest you're paying on your mortgage and you can claim that on your income tax return Unless they change the budget, uh, the federal budget, yeah. which they're discussing, which is a whole other show. Yeah, the first year I own a home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next one goes over your homeowner's insurance requirements. So your lender does require you to keep homeowners, in, or if they do, require you to keep homeowner's insurance on the property. You agree to keep that, but if it's escrowed, you really don't have to worry about it because it's going to be paid and renewed um, by your lender. Then flood hazard determination, every file, if you're in a flood zone or not in a flood zone, you sign a paper stating that. Um, next disclosure, certifies and authorizes, I'm sorry, certifies all the information you gave your lenders true and correct and authorizes them to verify that again if they need to. Then we have you an equal opportunity act notice, you are not discriminated against in any way, which how could you be if you were sitting at the closing table? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> no, they wouldn't give me the mortgage. Wait a minute. And the very last um, one that I leave for last is your loan application, which is what you started out. The very first thing you would have filled out at the beginning of the process, and you just kind of look over and verify all the information and sign a couple pages with today's date. This is one of the ones I've run into trouble with, though, because sometimes things have changed or sometimes things are slightly inaccurate. I've had people, I had one guy, oh, my gosh, and he, like, went through and wanted to, like, correct everything. And it's like, dude, they are giving you the mortgage. Yeah. And so just sign it because, you know, it's fine. And sometimes things have changed sometimes um, this is the information that you provided at the beginning of the process mm-hmm. and maybe your credit cards have been paid down some more and so the balance isn't as high as it's stated on there that's fine yeah don't panic okay. but I've had some people want to go and make all those changes and it's like yikes that's not really necessary so that's it for the buyers that is it so it sounds like a lot of lender disclosures yes that yeah don't really and you can't change any of that no so when training they always tell us they're not optional yeah so they're going to sign or they won't we want you to understand absolutely but this there's no reason to take three hours on it so the buyers have now signed everything and then they sit back and then it's going to be the seller's turn. The seller's turn. It's much easier for the sellers, and they have about seven documents that they sign, um, depending on if the lender has documents that the seller needs to sign, because sometimes they do. And in FHA transactions, they actually do sign something stating that it is an FHA-insured transaction, and most sellers say, well, why do I care? I don't know why they do, but they have to sign that. And um, they also have to sign for the purchase price, stating yeah. that it's, and that there's no deals outside of the purchase price. Um, that's outside something we all, out, yeah, outside of the deal. Like we're not exchanging money on the side because that was something that happened then too. So, all right, let's go to our last break and then we'll go over the rest of the seller documents and wrap things up. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stay 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com are you interested in buying or selling a home not sure what the next step is Deb can help go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on start here you'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors so even if you aren't in Deb's service area you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are visit realrealestatetoday.com what makes a great leader most have a vision one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan organization and company Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back to our show. We're having so much fun today in our little closing room simulation where uh, we are joined by Brittany Libert of Green County Regional Title, and she's walking us through a closing packet and what you sign at closing. And I know that sounds kind of dull, but a lot of people really want to know kind of what happens so they go in completely prepared. So we've gone through the buyer stuff, and we're talking about the seller stuff. But before our break, we started chit-chatting about signatures because, (laughs) you know, we've laughed sometimes. Some people, you have to sign your name exactly how it appears on the document. So if your middle initials there, your middle name's there, you got to use it. And Brittany was saying she had a gentleman who was not used to signing his middle name and really struggled with that so most people don't sign their middle name and his full name yeah their full middle name his was on everything and he said I don't know how to sign it I said (laughs) well an A in a scribble counts as long as it's your signature I just need to see it so every time he had to sign his name all 90 pages every time he hit the A on his middle initial he'd stop and look at me for approval and I said, I'm not judging your signature. It's just that you signed it. I have to, I have to yeah. watch you sign it. So that's really important. That's what they're notarizing, that they've watched you sign everything and that your name does not need to be legible. Right. But it does need to look like an assemblance of, not letters, but squiggles. Like, yeah. it can't just be an X. It's got to be a little bit more than an X. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've had some uh, at some closings where the um, title person, closer, has looked at and said, does that say your name? And the person will say, yeah, it does. And they go, okay, that's yeah. fine. You just have to ask. Have to know. So, all right, so what do we have in terms of seller documents? Seller side is really easy. Um, awesome. So we start with your settlement statement. Which just is like the buyer side. Yeah, your itemization of any debits and credits for the transaction and I give you your bottom line and this is a page you should have seen beforehand um, probably would come from your realtor yes um, 
Okay, go ahead. And then the next, we have the closing disclosure, and that has got the same figures, the same bottom line. The only difference is it also has contact information for the realtors, if there are any, and for the title company. So if after closing you needed to get a hold of anybody, you had all their information to do so. And these are the pages that you'd want to give your accountant if you're doing taxes at the end of the year because it's got all the number stuff on it. So that's what they'll want to see um, on both sides so that they can work that into your taxes. Yeah. So then the next one that we'll go over is the 1099. So for the sellers, I ask you four questions. Did you live in the home two out of the last five years? Have you sold or exchanged another principal residence during that two-year period? Was any portion of the residence used for business or rental purposes? And was the sale for more or less than $250,000? So once, depending on how we answer these questions, that's whether or not you're going to pay capital gains on the property. I don't actually know that, so I can't give tax advice at closing. I'm not... I'm not licensed to do that, so we recommend everybody takes it to their accountant, and we'll give them that signed settlement statement that shows their proceeds. We tell them take that to their accountant so they can see how much they made off the sale of the property until they can tell them whether or not they're going to pay capital gains on the property. So this 1099 document is a document that you use to determine whether you have to report the sale to the IRS. Correct. And if you answer, for example... Um, it was my principal residence for at least two out of the last five years, which is the IRS rule right now, Mm -hmm. then you go, okay, and you don't have to report it to the IRS, which means the IRS doesn't know that they should come looking for you, which is always a nice thing. Um, That rule, by the way, is up for change. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Um, It is part of the new proposed budget changes um, where they're looking at removing um, the mortgage deductions Um, And they're also looking at changing that rule to five out of the last eight years, which is a whole other show. Some of this budget stuff, (laughs) Brittany has this look of horror in her eyes. It can have a huge impact on um, real estate. So the National Association of Realtors is coming out against that, especially for like military families who, you know, stay in place for four years typically uh, and move on. It would not allow them that um, capital gains exemption. It could, yeah, it could be a really crazy thing. So stay in their houses, not just to avoid paying taxes. Potentially, yeah. And then there'd be no real estate. Right. There you go. So, but anyways, yeah, that's a whole other show. Okay, next. Next, I have a deed. Um, So that is what transfers it out of the seller's name into the buyer's name. Only the seller signed that here in Indiana. So they would sign that, transfer that over. And then the sales disclosure that we talked about earlier, buyer and seller sign that. So the seller will then sign that as well because that goes with the deed to the courthouse to transfer names and remove that homestead exemption off their property. I don't know if anybody else thinks this is interesting, but this is always weird for me. The buyers don't sign the deed. No, they don't. I always think that's weird. I don't know why. Because you feel like it's the deed. Like, everybody should sign that kind of, like, showing agreement. But, no, it's just the sellers signing the house over to the buyers. And so they're the ones signing it, saying, yes, I am deeding this house to the buyers. It has the buyer's name on it, but the buyers don't sign it. I always feel like that's weird. It is. But in Indiana, you have to have a sales disclosure if there's money involved. So the buyers would have to sign a sales disclosure for that to be made record. Because we, I always kind of wondered, you know, you could put a property in somebody's name, right, without them knowing. But surprise, if, yeah, I don't know who would want to, right. So, um, so that's it for sellers. That's it. Crazy easy, right? So it does seem a little silly sometimes for the sellers to be sitting there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and at the end, we ask if anybody has any questions. 
sellers usually say, where's my check? Yeah. And that's, that's the end of it. And I try and get out of everybody's way so they can talk about their house. But then at that point, you get up and you go make copies. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about, remember, um, I said at the beginning, you're going to get copies of everything, but they're not all necessarily signed. Because buyer, if you have copies of documents that you need to sign, you could just sign them again and have them signed. Um, but they're going to make copies of the things that... Um, both parties sign and the buyer will get a copy of the seller signed deed mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So you'll have those in your packet so that, yeah, when you're going to make copies and then they come back with checks, if anybody mm-hmm. gets proceeds and that kind of thing. Now, sometimes, uh, I don't know if you run into this much, some lenders require certain documents to be sent to them and they have to approve those documents before they release Yes. The funds. So they want funding approvals. They want to see that everything was signed correctly before they give you permission to disperse the funds. And usually if they require that, they give them to you in that order. So you can sign those first things, you know, those 10 documents they want to see first. Oh. You can get that sent in. They can review it while you're going over the rest instead of having everybody sit around and wait. So, so here's here's something do. else that I don't know. I guess when I got into real estate sort of hit me. And again, this is going to make me sound really stupid. But this thought of that money, that mortgage money, like say you're getting a mortgage for $150,000, mm-hmm. that your mortgage company is sending that money to the title company. Yeah. And the title company has $150,000 sitting in their bank account. Mm-hmm. Maybe you bring $10,000 from your side for your down payment. And then they're going to disperse that money out, you know, pay off the seller's mortgage and pay off. So you got tons of money flowing in and out of your company, which is why there's so many rules and regulations. But that it seems like it's all just on paper, like money just transferring on paper. Mm -hmm. But you physically have that money in your bank account. So when we say, uh, you know, fax for funding, that's one of my first questions when I go into a closing. Does this lender require us to fax for funding? Because sometimes they'll require, there's like a number that, um, so the title company has to send over the documents the t- the lender approves it gives a number and then that $150,000 is released and everybody can go on their merry way and get paid most lenders don't do that anymore and they just say here's the money we trust you to do your job right well and I think now the buyers have already seen everything so they've already signed something saying they're ready to close yeah. so there's not going to be yeah. any surprises but I've had some situations I had one once I believe it was Chase I will say it it was Chase <laughs> I don't like doing mortgages with them they're a pain in my ass if someone from Chase wants to call and talk to me about it you're welcome to find me on Facebook Deb Tomorrow Realtor I will tell you everything I think but um, they we had to fax for funding and the person who had to approve it had a dentist appointment and like left And we literally, it was the day before Thanksgiving, and we were sitting around (laughs) the table for, I think, about an hour and a half waiting for her to get back from the dentist to approve because nobody would go anywhere um, without the money in hand. Right. Seriously? Sellers don't want to sign without a check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, man alive. Yeah, that would be awful. We don't run into that too much anymore, thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, So you'll get copies of everything. Now, what, uh, and then that's when we slide the keys across the table, usually. Mm -hmm. If you've negotiated possession at closing, then that is the moment you get uh, possession. Uh, If we've negotiated possession sometime after closing, like, say, a week after, then we have a conversation about how that's going to take place. Is there anything that um, the buyers or sellers need to do after they leave your office? Um, for our office specifically, we ask them to follow up on their property tax exemptions okay. because we do file them. We just want you to give them a call and make sure that those got filed because they will affect your tax bill. Um, so that's the only thing that we ask. Other than that, we pay taxes. 
We pay off your mortgage. We pay everything. We do everything for you at closing. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a seller, you probably want to call your insurance company and make sure at that point, cancel your insurance. If you've paid ahead, you can get that back, um, you know, some prorated, some of that back too. But pretty much that is the uh, period at the end of the sentence. uh, When you're done with the title company, you know, the deal should be done and no take backs. I should say. Yeah. I've, I've had to say that a few times. No take backs. It's done. It's done. Yes, I'm like, oh, what if they, well, and one thing I want to say real quick before we wrap up, because I had someone asking me this recently. They said, well, my dad said, or my mom said, somebody in my family said that the sellers have, um, no, the buyers have three days after closing to change their mind. No, no, that's no. not true. Where that's getting confused is if you refinance your house, mm-hmm. uh, you have three. There's a different rule. If you refinance your house, you have three days after closing to change your mind and decide you want to unrefinance it. I don't get it why, but that's why. But purchase, it's done deal. Yeah, I had some clients and they kept going, well, is it done yet? I'm like, it was done two days ago. But my dad says, no, your dad's wrong. I'm sorry. Have him your call dad me. Your refinanced it. Yeah, exactly. Have him call me. I'll explain. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brittany. And um, her contact information is on our page. Um, And so if you've got title questions or you need title services in South Central Indiana, um, they're a great resource and a great go-to. They will come to you. They make it real easy to close for sure. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We've got a great show next week, which is going to be Thanksgiving week. uh, And we'll have a past client telling her house story and uh, regrets and lessons learned. And I think everybody can learn a whole lot from it. So I'm pretty excited about that show. So tune in and then uh, have a good week everyone thanks again this was real real estate today your home for smart real estate thank you for tuning into real real estate today please join your host deb tomorrow for another edition every tuesday at 12 noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel until next week take care of your home it's one of your most important assets